welcome back to Pop Culture Yearbook. On this show, we pick pieces of pop culture that were important to us in a given year. We then discuss memories and dig into those movies, albums, shows, and more. This is 1989 Part 2. I'm Brad. I'm Pete. And I'm Giff. And tonight, we are going to be discussing Brad's choice, which is Batman. So it's good to have you back again, Giff. Well, thanks for having me back. As we know, it's always uh, fun to talk about whether you will or will not be on. So, <laughs> <laughs> at least it amuses us, right? All right. Um, do you guys have anything that you want to throw out before I get into why I picked this movie? No, no I don't think so. All so right. Go, go right at it. <laughs> any any new memories you've thought of of the year? Well, I do know Actually, I went to... let me to... ask you this question. Yeah. What do you remember about this movie, like like the first time you saw it or something like that? I saw it in the theater. I remember that. Okay. I, I didn't go to the theater that much. Um, I wasn't really let out of the house. A lot of farm work to be done. Didn't have time for fun. So, But I do remember going to this movie in the Marshall Theater. Okay. Remember who you went with or anything? Uh, my brother was there, okay. um, but I don't... Would have he been able to drive yet? No, I don't think so. So my parents might have uh, might have taken me. All right, Pete. I I know that I saw it in a theater. I don't recall any particulars, however, like who I was with, any anything like that. But I know that I was really really excited to see this movie when yes. it came out, and I right. think everybody was. Okay. And I was not disappointed. Right. No. I, no. I loved it. I watched it over and over again as much as I could. That that year, or when it came out on video or whatever, I watched it on HBO That's or whatever. Why I picked it. All right, Excellent so I do. Choice. I do remember um, kind of the same things you. I was just curious if you saw it in a theater, like if you remembered being excited at that time, because I was dying to see this movie, and I I don't know why exactly. Like you know, I'm not a comic book guy. I never read any comic books. It's not like I was into superheroes and now they're everywhere. And I, I like superhero movies, but it's not like I'm a huge fan. Um, You're not a comic book nerd. You don't so go I don't to Comic-Con. I, I was so excited, but it was just, it got so much hype and it was kind of the first of its kind, I guess. And it was going to be kind of a different movie than probably what we were used to seeing. So I guess that was it. It's like, oh my God, this is going to be so cool. Um, so at this time, like you said, we didn't drive. I saw a lot of movies with my mom. Like, mm-hmm. I can distinctly remember seeing Major League and The Naked Gun in the theaters with my mom, just the two of us, which, thank you very much for taking me. But when I think back, it's like, man, I, uh, me and my mom, one-on-one on a date to see Major League and The Naked Gun. It's, I can't believe sound you took me to Major League. If I had been with some of my friends, but <laughs> at least I got to go. Uh, but this movie... And I don't remember this 100%, but I think my brother and Jeff, one of his friends, took me. So my brother would have been like a sophomore in college. He would have been home. I don't don't know if he was home for the whole summer or just home for a weekend, but pretty sure that I went with them. And so that was cool. You know, I got to go with these older guys, too. And they were we were all excited to see this movie. So Um, did not disappoint. Like you said, this was... um, this was unique. It was. It was. There weren't many superhero movies. I don't. I think it was probably that you were expecting to see some different kind of like effects and and stuff that you weren't used to, and that's why I was so excited. Well, this actually was the first of this particular take on Batman, at least as seen in a movie, because well, all the previous Batmans, it wasn't like a dark and brooding Batman like this one was. And and, and you look so at all the movies awesome. since then; it really kind of changed the entire public perception of Batman, even with all of the different franchises, you know, it kind of spun yeah. it in a different direction. I, um, I did watch the, the sixties TV show, like at, in the summer mm-hmm. at my grandma's, I remember sitting around to be on in the afternoon and I watched it. Oh, quite it's hilarious. And, and then maybe that was part of it too. So I knew of Batman through that, but you saw these previews and this was going to be way different. And yeah. I just and I but here the other thing is I love Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. By this time I was into I knew who Jack Nicholson was. I'm like I knew at this point that's a great casting choice, even as being 13 years old. Um, I don't know if I knew Tim Burton by name, but I knew Beetlejuice and I knew Pee Wee's mm-hmm. Big Adventure. I mean, so I mean the director, this great choice for a director, um, and it just it just looked so colorful and great. 
seeing all this. And then they had the tie-ins because they had the soundtrack and the, and the song that was on the soundtrack had all these clips from the movie in it. So it's like you you heard half of it before you saw the movie if you heard the song Bat Dance. Right. Yes. Uh, it was just like this great job of marketing and just really building it up, which a lot of times then comes back to backfire because it sucks. But this movie, um, at least then, I did not think sucked. And I still don't think it sucks. I did notice a couple things, though, that maybe I didn't notice when I was young. <laughs> yeah, you, you, might, you might be about to say, say some of the same things I'm going well, to. Well, I'll get go, to that. The you first go thing forward. I wanted to bring up was just how, well, the first thing I noticed watching it this time that I haven't noticed before is that Jack Nicholson gets top billing when you look at the credits. Yes. Which, yes. You know, he's the big star, but you think, I mean, you think Michael Keaton's a big star, too, and he's playing Batman, but Jack Nicholson was so big that he uh, Nicholson, he made, he made a killing on it because uh, his agreement in in this one was not just like the normal what they pay movie stars he got a percent of the uh you know of the cut for the movie itself he also worked into his deal he got a cut of all of the the merchandising you know the toy and you think about maybe no movie has ever done other than maybe star wars um you know it's a great franchise for that and he also got a cut for the sequels which he was not in he wasn't even in those in that franchise exactly so and they estimate they estimate that uh he got at least 50 to 60 million dollars just from that one role which is ridiculous especially back in 89 in 1989 and uh i actually saw the conversion in in the article that i read is that that would be estimated to be about a hundred million dollars today just uh not even since you brought up the sequels just a quick side note really quick are you a fan of Batman Returns, and how big? No, um, I was at the time. Uh, Batman Returns was okay. The first one, I think, was the best one. Uh, and then it just took a downhill slide well, I don't want to that. talk about it, the other ones right now. Just, they just, they just got Returns, worse. Batman Returns is still Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. It's still Michael Keaton. It has a lot of the same stuff. And I think, like, Michelle Pfeiffer is amazing. And yes, Danny DeVito, talk about a perfect casting choice. <laughs> Although, I yeah, mean, the yeah, really gross. But I, that's a Christopher really good Walken movie. is in that one, too. Yep. Yeah, that is a really good movie. It's really dark, but it's I mean, it. I like it a lot. Yeah, All right, I, I, maybe to, I'll have to go back and watch that one, too, sometime. But anyway, go on. I digress. Um, so after that, then I was then I look the movie starts. And I so I first of all, I think Tim Burton. I mean, what a brilliant choice for a director. I mean, with what he's made at this point, and then the vision that he had for this is just, it's perfect for him. Mm-hmm. But the casting is just great. I, Jack Nicholson, obviously. Kim Basinger is wonderful. Even like Robert Wool, the other, um, oh, the, he is so the other reporter. Yep, he's Knox. so perfect yeah. for that role. Uh, Billy D. Williams has a small role, but he's he fits right in there. Michael Keaton is not somebody I would have expected to play Batman, but I think a uh, great choice. A and lot of people Burton didn't like that. So well that they, you know, I'm sure that they. A, a lot of these comic book nerds, they did not like uh, uh, Michael Keaton before the movie came out. Oh, they sure they were they not happy about Michael Keaton as a choice. Let me ask you this trivia question. There was a different actor that they were begging to be in the movie and uh, he refused to do it. Who was it? And um, what role? Tom Cruise. As uh, it's it's a it's an actor. They wanted him to play Batman. He didn't want to do that. Then they asked him to play the Joker. He didn't want want to do that. And they asked him to play Harvey Dent, who was Billy D. Williams' character, and he didn't want that. I said Tom Cruise. I don't know. Um, Pacino. It's not either one of those. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's Ray Liotta. Huh. No kidding. Yeah, he was. He really was weird. Because his career, they thought Goodfellas came out the next year, so he wasn't even like a name yet. Right now, that's like his uh, first movie that anybody would know. Well, I I don't know. Was that before or after Field of Dreams? 
but oh, uh, he was in oh, he was hey, in that I, movie. Hey, so, I mean, and I think his career, they thought that he was on an upward trajectory at that point. And uh, uh, but they begged him, and he chose not to do it because he had in his mind he had the vision of the old '60s one that you just talked about, and he thought it was just going to be stupid and goofy. Uh, he definitely regrets that decision. That's interesting. Uh, I, I mean, because I mean, Field of Dreams came out the same year, so I mean, it wouldn't have been like out and been a big hit yet they would have had to make this movie before that so there's no way to know huh. yeah no i, I one, didn't know that uh, another other... another uh, oh, a no. casting thing um did you know that sean young was originally cast to play vicky vale no but yes. i know she wanted to be catwoman so bad that she did all kinds of crazy things for the re for the sequel like she would get in character and dress up as catwoman and go to like the producer or director and try to get the role Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. But That's yeah, she. What I know. She was actually. There were four weeks into filming. They were doing a horseback riding scene, and she broke, fell off, and broke her collarbone. So they had to recast uh, Kim Basinger, and wow. so they cut that. that. Well. And, yeah. then, and then they cut oh, that yeah. whole scene out, and never even made the movie at all. The, the right. scene. Huh. Yep. Um, another little. She was actually tidbit. cast, and removed. she was cast. She was in the movie. That must be why she wanted the next one so bad. I would guess right. that makes more sense now. Billy D. Williams, his character, Harvey Dent, uh, Williams was supposed to be in the sequels as well. That was part of the original agreement. However, um, they cut him in the sequels and they replaced him with Tommy Lee Jones. That's Harvey Dent. That's a character that becomes Two-Face. Yeah. Yep. Well, Tommy and, Lee Jones uh, isn't in the second one, is he? He's not in it until I, Batman. No, he's right? in the same one. It's the same one that Jim Carrey is yeah, in as the a Riddler. I think it's the third one. But that's the third but, one, yeah, because the other one's Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze. And, oh, my God. Right. And the fourth one, I think. Yeah, which is terrible. But Billy D. Williams <laughs> did get the role as Two-Face in the Lego Batman movie. He's the voice oh. of... That's that's why they cast him in that role. So that's kind of a funny little that's fact. That's a great movie, too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's absolutely. That's one that I wasn't all excited to go see, and then we got to it. I'm like, wow, this is really pretty. Oh, I love all the Lego movies. They're hilarious. Um. So, and then I mean, just I just think I can't imagine a better time and place casting than Jack Nicholson as a Joker at with the where he's at in his career, how big he is, mm -hmm. and this movie and then that role which is just, I mean, you just it's iconic and he's just perfect for it so yeah. the, the fact that they got him no matter how much they paid him i mean it was worth it and it was he was the choice so that's he, why he gets a billing even though he's technically not the main guy he actually said later his uh his quote that was that he believes that he got so much into that role um, that it, it affected him psychologically, and he warned Heath Ledger that <laughs> really that that his experience was that it affected him, wow. you know, psychologically for a while. Wow. So, yeah, he was excellent in it. You could tell tell he poured himself into it. All right, so that's yeah. kind of my background things, and you had some great details to add. Thank you. The rest of my notes are pretty much from the movie, so I can just kind of go through what I wrote down and. Yes, please. Feel free to chime in. We'll, we will. So some of these are just random things. Like, so the first big benefit at Bruce Wayne's house, did you notice Vicki Vale? She wears like, it looks like a wedding dress. Anybody yeah, it's a pretty that weird her, her yeah. clothing choice? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kind of weird. But there were some things about the movie that was that were a little bit off. Um, not, you know, a lot of it they're trying intentionally to make it look like a comic book and stuff like that. Um, but there are some there are some parts where the acting wasn't really that great. Um, uh, and and you mentioned Robert Wall. I thought there was a couple of times where it just felt like his timing was off or something. I don't know I what it was. I can see that. He's good at the role, but, but I can see on not every line necessarily hits. And Yeah, yeah. So And, and there's some of that. The, the top actors in the movie were fantastic, but there's some of the supporting cast um you, you know i thought we're a little bit weird um but anyway go on um there the first shootout i just found kind of funny because this i don't know if you noticed this but the sound of it, it was like very old timey it was like pew 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 <laughs> that was, like, not the kind of gunshots I, that you hear today and it really kind of just caught me like like it stood out like 
Well, that was the first thing of my, my son. I was watching it with my son, and that was exactly his really? comment, too. Well, yes. I kind of thought that, that that played into the comic book feel. Yeah. Like yes. instead, of, instead of like a bang, or I guess you could have, you know, you'd see bang on the page or pew, pew, you know, like you'd have well, those. It was just a sound that stood out because it's like, yeah. you, it's a sound you get in like older movies sometimes. Yep. But, but it's I thought it was because it was. You get today. My explanation was is because it was hitting metal because they're in this factory. And yeah. so it's like ricocheting off oh, of all sure. the metal, like vats and stuff that were in this chemistry or chemical plant. Did anybody else so. find it odd that they were just fine throwing bullets around in this chemical plant and this green goo coming everywhere? <laughs> it's like nobody, nobody really thought to think, uh, maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Let <laughs> um, me get into what is really my biggest... Uh, like issue with the movie that I noticed this time. So Bruce and Vicky's relationship, I would define as very weird. <laughs> yeah. Now, they met, but like she comes to his house and it's like, we never saw him like ask her out. We never saw any like real, real chemistry or anything. We just saw them kind of meet and there might've been one flirty line or something. All of a sudden she's at his house eating at this long table and it, at first, I'm like, well, why is she there? Is this a date or was this a meeting with a reporter? Like, it was really weird. Then, the, but the worst part is, so that she gets drunk. And then all of a sudden, he's not drunk. And did they have sex? Did yes, they not? They did. Oh, yeah. I mean, so Bruce Wayne took advantage of a drunk woman. It seems very sketchy the way that all went down. It did not endear me to Bruce Wayne as a person. <laughs> Um, and then from then on, that just, the love story was just very flimsy, I thought. And I never really yeah. got into it through most of the movie because I didn't buy it starting. And then that first sex scene is like, wait a minute. You think you left out some details here? Well, and then, I don't want to think of him as a uh, uh, somebody that slipped her a drink and then took her upstairs. Well, I think I, you're supposed I, to like him. I thought it was interesting that when um, Alfred brings her into the Batcave, and so this is the reveal that now she knows that he's batman right and the first thing she does is ask about their relationship not like holy crap you're back <laughs> what I is all this Gotham city four she meets Knox in the beginning and she's interested in the wildlife <laughs> you know in the batman and now she's standing in the bat cave her boyfriend is batman and she's like i just want to know are we going to try to love each other it's like what? hold on a second you're there's batman just, there's just not enough uh <laughs> <laughs> development of that relationship. That's uh, that's a really good point. It's like you're just supposed to assume that they're going to be together because that's who they are, but that's that's not how it should work. Um, I took issue a little bit, and then there was the other scene where he goes over to her apartment, and that's I was going to get to that because that's right? my favorite scene in the movie. But it is a good scene. However, there's a couple of things about that scene, um, you know, where. Uh, he, he uh, you think he gets shot, but then of course he has that tray and blocks right. a bullet and then he just leaves. Yeah. And so it's like, wait a second. He leaves her in the apartment with the Joker still there. Right. No, but that's well, when he could that. leave. Cause he, he knew that. Yeah. They were leaving. That's how, cause their backs were turned to him. So he knew he could go, but it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe because he's Batman, he was stealth. And if something happened, then he would have been right there anyway. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so I don't know, but, but there's the, the line that was a little bit out of place to me where he, uh, he's standing by the fireplace and he just all of a sudden out of nowhere has this outburst and, and he's like dark and brooding and quiet kind of the whole time. And then he goes, come on, let's get nuts. I love that line. It's, <laughs> it's like, well, it just came out of nowhere. It's like, okay. Well. Yeah, I, I can agree. <laughs> um, so I'm almost to that part here. Uh, one thing that I love, and you hear it early on, when they get into the Joker and he's just kind of sitting there, I love his his breathing, his his obnoxious, heavy breathing that you can hear. Yes. Mm -hmm. it, it's a really nice touch. Um, and and just that, see, that's more character development on him than you get out of some of these other people. That's true. Um, not just the relationship, but I also felt there was a lack of character development on Bruce Wayne just in general when I watched it this time. Like I said, he's kind of hard to root for. There's really no reason to root for him, especially after the whole scene where he... I mean, because at first I thought, okay, he's going to go put her in bed. I mean, but I mean, I'm pretty sure it's implied they did have sex. 
Well, she said that. She goes, and then I slept with you. I can't yeah, believe I slept so with you. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. I thought, okay, or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but, and I remember our friend Josh Griebel in high school talking about how he didn't really like this movie as much. And I just kind of brushed him off. And he said, oh, I'm brooding. I'm brooding. And that's what he hated. <laughs> but and he I made fun of everything. And it was just hilarious I, that way. So. I did find Bruce Wayne to be very muted in this movie and a little too mysterious. Like, not in a good way. Mysterious and like... J- we need more information. And yeah. and the brooding is just kind of like, I don't know. So, you know, overall, he's not a terrible person or character, I don't think. But I think they just missed some things in the script or in the direction that would have really helped. Yeah. And then you yeah, wrote I, how Vicky Vale finds out he's Batman. I wrote down earlier before that, like, she really can't recognize him. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> Well, it's like this. Uh, it's the same thing with Lois Lane. Can't recognize Clark I Kent know, as Superman when he's wearing his glasses, right? At it's least like, in the new Batman's, like they change his voice a little. Like when he's Batman, he talks with that little voice. And it's, you know, there's nothing going on here. <laughs> <laughs> it's comic booky. It's supposed to be more uh, suspended fine. belief, you know? All right, but then I did write down, so you mentioned the scene at Vicki Vale's apartment. I said that was like a highlight scene to me because this was the first scene where I felt Bruce Wayne really seemed human. I love the part. he's gonna He goes there to tell her that he's Batman. And I love the way that Michael Keaton plays that. And, like, he can't tell her. And he's trying to tell her, but he can't do it. And, he, and she leaves the room, and he's like, I'm Batman. He's saying it to himself, like, I'm Batman. And I, that was yeah. the first time I'm like, I, I like this guy kind of now. This is actually a human side. But then the Joker comes, and so you have all the big characters in one place, which you don't have all the time in the movie, unless it's like a fight scene. But here they actually interact. Um, there's the great line, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight, when he puts it all together, mm-hmm. and everybody knows that line. And then which I get that you think that part's out of place a little, but... I love Michael Keaton in that way. So when he says, you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. I, I mean, do I like him in that way, uh, but it that. just seemed out of place. I agree. But I was waiting the, for it, and so it's nice to see a different side. Yeah, yeah. Now, so those uh, are the you things that I like. I like that scene. When I watched it, it really stood out to me that this scene, this is a fun, this is a good scene. You mentioned the line, uh, you ever dance with the devil by the pale moonlight, which of course ties to how we find out that that the Joker is the one that killed his parents. That was actually not in the original comic book. It was somebody else. I think his name was Joe chill that actually killed his parents. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but uh, Burton insisted that they rewrite the Batman storyline so that it's so to tie that in so that it's the Joker is, is the one. And that makes it more personal. Um, There, there are a couple of original endings that were also much darker that they, I don't know if they actually had filmed them in addition or if it was just written in, but there was an ending where, where Vicki Vale actually is killed by the Joker. And that makes it much more personal for Batman uh, to get his, you know, vengeance. That would really cause uh, brooding if that happened. It would, <laughs> there would be a lot of brooding. And um, there's also another, there's also another alternate where, where Robert Wall's character dies in the um in the streets when the whole crowd is being gassed well speaking of that this is they wrote those out but did you notice in that scene vicky vale's driving that car and like he jumps on it and she keeps driving like she's trying to kill him while he's on the hood (laughs) yeah she knows it's him and she sees him What, what was up with that they're trying to get away from the gas yeah, but they're trying to get wouldn't further you let him away. Maybe get off the take take get one car. second to let him get in the car. You're gonna yeah, kill him. Yeah. Well, and then you think he does die, <clears throat> and then you see him at the end of the movie because they could have left it where he just died because he kind of you know falls in the trash thing that you know heat there, and then she gets out of the car and he kind of slumps. Mm. So they could have left it where he died, but it, they brought him back at the end of the movie. There is a scene. Um... Shortly after that uh, other great scene that I said, where the Batmobile drives through an exploding building behind it. And I, that was another scene that just, as far as like effects, especially 1980, that scene is just right. really cool just for the eyes. Oh, God, I love that, the way it looked. Well, and the effect of the armor on the Batmobile was just cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and the Batmobile was great. Well, in my opinion, this is the coolest Batmobile of these four movies. Um, the one in the uh, Christopher Nolan ones is 
pretty cool because it's you know it seems more practical. But this Batmobile is just yeah. the the coolest of. It's a nice of mix them. of like the old Batmobile, but a cool right, you know, updated version. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed a lot of parallels between the Joker and Donald Trump when I was watching this one. Oh boy, let's not. Oh, I thought that. I, I thought well, that I a long time ago. Stood out. I, it, this doesn't have to be anything political. It's just the Joker's thirst for publicity in this movie. And wanting to be yep. on TV and taking over, his need to be loved, and like, everybody, lo- uh, you know, yeah. he's got a huge following too. And then all the money, of course, too. But then also, he wants to be loved, and he acts like, but the acting like he cares for all these people of Gotham. When you, I mean, he couldn't, he doesn't give a crap about any of them, and he would kill every one of them, and he will kill them if he can. And so I just, that's all. I mean, that that I think that kind of sums up Donald Trump quite a bit right there and his need for love and publicity and and himself. Yeah. Doesn't mean you, doesn't mean you can't vote for him. Whatever. <laughs> Just means he loves himself. I think we could agree. We're on not that a much. political show on pop culture nope. here, boy. But <laughs> you can um, love yourself. That's fine. A couple of other uh fun facts that I that I came across. Uh did you know that there was an earlier 1980s version of Batman that was considered and they'd gotten a decent way down the pipeline on it, but then it, but then it got scrapped. Um, it was going to star Bill Murray as Batman and what? Eddie Murphy as Robin. <laughs> no way. I, I was surprised by that too, but it was Where a concept of Batman. That? It was on like a, a website. <laughs> sure. Well, <laughs> like, it's like where I found a lot of these other facts about this. I read a book yeah. not long ago called Wild and Crazy Guys, and it's about like all those 80s comics. And there's a lot about Bill Murray and Eddie Murphy in it. And they talk about all the movies they did and different projects they were in, and it never came up in yeah. them. So, huh. Yeah. It was it actually was, like was one that... far into it. I would think they would have, it would have made a comment in there. Uh, I was totally surprised. One, and, and one other thing, too, is that. Um, one of the original plans for this movie, they were planning on having a Nike logo on the bat suit, which no. would have been ridiculous. Oh, that but but that so was bad. that was something that they had talked about, but they scrapped it probably because of the same reasons that we all think it would be stupid and commercial. But um, that was an interesting fact. That seems too early for that kind of thing. To I, that's what I thought, too. But it doesn't seem like a thing back then yet. So I got a I got a couple notes um, that we haven't covered quite yet. Um, one thing I found interesting is that this Batman is not opposed to killing people, because when he has his car drive into the chemical plant, and obviously all those guys are in there shooting at the car, and he drops a bomb, and the place is blowing up as the car yeah. drives out. I mean, he knows he's killing people. You know, with the Nolan character, that was one of the biggest things is he wouldn't kill people like you know with the dark knight right he wouldn't kill the joker he wouldn't allow it to happen but in this one obviously he uses one of his little toys to snag the joker's ankle and around the gargoyle that comes off he tries to save him at the end he doesn't want to kill him at the end yeah but he's he knows how hard did he really try right (laughs) i'm just saying you know what i mean so he he was more and like when he's fighting people in the in the bell tower you know, like he's he, fighting that, he lets that one, one of them guy. Drop. He drops right down the, the bell shaft, you know. So that was one thing that I found um, a little different. Um, also, the Joker's right-hand man uh, on IMDb, his character is Bob the Goon. Yes. He's I just, loved him, by the way. <laughs> yes, he was he was outstanding. Um, and then one other thing I, I thought was interesting was so the Joker, after he comes back from his surgery and, you know, now he's got his Joker face and he comes up and he kills... Well, I have a question J- about this, too. Go ahead. I so just he, want kills, to he kills Jack Palance's uh, character. And then, like, the next day, he gets all the crime bosses together and tells them that, you know, he's in charge now. And, you know, he fries that one guy with the, with the ring... And Ooh, then, we got a live one here. <laughs> right, exactly. And then right away, the doors open, and all of his guys come running in with guns and tells everybody to get out. Every single one of them is wearing a leather jacket with a Joker logo on it. 
those came in pretty quick. Like how? <laughs> I mean, the next came in pretty quick. The next Nicholson gets done. a cut of the merchandising, so uh, you know. Well, and like the great yogurt said in 1987's uh, uh, Spaceballs, <laughs> it's merchandising. Merchandising. So obviously, I, uh, Jack saw that. I got so, confused yeah, I, with the Joker this time. Is he tan or is he white? Because there's white. scenes where it's like he's putting regular colored paint on his face to make him not be white. And right. then there's scenes where he takes and wipes right. that off white. and the white. No, it's, it's, he's partly, I think it was in that scene, right? Where um, part of the skin makeup, the regular skin colored makeup is coming off and it looks white because that's what's underneath. Yeah. He's, he's painting himself to look like he's, so he doesn't scare the crap out of people. So he looks more yes. normal. That, yes. so he, there was another scene that, where he wiped off the white, and that was underneath, like his real skin color was his regular skin color. Mm. So I, I just, I swear that I saw both, and that's I got confused. Because the other time he had, like, he put the the skin color makeup on was when he was on TV, yeah. telling that's, everybody to show that was up. The and, part where I'm like, okay, so he's actually my white, white colored. And yeah, he puts that on to look like a human. Right. Yep. Yeah. But I, I'm telling you, if you watch, you'll see the, you'll see the opposite too. I thought I looked pretty close at that, but okay. All right. Yeah, I could go back and look at it. Well, I, I, but that's what I thought. So I mean, I'll just go with that. Um, we're getting to the end here, the big final scene. A couple things I had there. Um, so on one hand, there's that really cool visual scene where he takes the plane and flies up into the moon and puts the logo in the mm -hmm. moon. You know, that's great. But on the other hand, uh, it's kind of narcissistic. Maybe just stay <laughs> down there and not fly away for a minute. He's got to build up speed to come back down to pick oh, all the Oh, is that what it is? Up. He's oh, got to go up there. That's what I'm he, going he, Okay. Well, didn't he take the balloons up there <laughs> to release exactly them? exactly to where he was framed in the moon. <laughs> no, he, he did that and then came... Yeah, I, oh, I, I thought he swooped down. Oh, maybe not. First, and then he, maybe, he, he had okay. lost the balloons by this time. Okay, so then he had to okay. come back down and have that speed to shoot at the Joker and miss him with all okay. the all Here. the gunfire and the my next pistols. Question. They show the Joker in the crosshairs. Yeah. So he's on the target and he shoots a million bullets and he just stands there and never gets hit. So my question was, what happened there? <laughs> Why didn't Gotta he have some drama, suspense and drama? Yeah, that was I mean, kind of ridiculous. He wasn't in the crosshairs. I could buy it, but you showed us he's in the target, right? And he's not dodging or serpentining nope. or anything. He's to just get standing there he's with his arms out, like bring it. A really long gun. I love <laughs> that when he pulls the gun out of the pants. That's another great scene. <laughs> and he kind of looks at it and makes sure it's cocked and then takes his time and points it and perfect um, shot of course one other question i had here because this is you know we haven't had all the big fights yet but that church they go in at the end why is the church in ruins already why are the pews flipped over like the place is Gotham. just because gotham's a mess is that it yeah okay yep. I figured I didn't want to think about it too much, but they did get flipped over. There was a there was a shot where somebody like pushes them over, right? Well, Batman stumbles into them. Oh no, yeah, they they all fall over like dominoes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, but but I think the other side was already trashed. Like you know, he went by one. You know, like if you went up the aisle, yeah, he hit the one set of pews and they all fell over. Um, right. I have another issue to get into in a minute, but I also then at the very end of the movie. The last line, uh, I didn't really enjoy. I thought it was kind of dumb hearing it this time again. Where the, What's his face? Alfred comes in and says, uh, he says he might be a little late. And she smiles and says, I'm not surprised. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really lame ending, actually, as far as a line goes. And by the way, the reason yet. he's... They just had the big fight. Let's just, let's all, I don't know. Speaking of speaking of narcissism, the reason like that he's late is because he's standing on the edge of a building looking at his own logo in the, in the sky. Yeah, there That's you where go. he was. That's what they cut away to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Between that and the moon, he's him and the Joker are both narcissistic. They're like the same guy. <sighs> yeah, well, that's that's a part of it. There's parallels between two the sides two. of a well, coin. That's, exactly. That's good and evil. I, I, I get yep. that. Um, right. My, so my other issue that I noticed, and I've kind of, I mean, I kind of hit on it with the whole drinking and sex scene, but 
and I'm sure you know, Kim Basinger is pretty much the only woman in this whole movie. Yeah, I know. I noticed that. There's I the Joker's girlfriend, but she's not. Doesn't say much, and she dies. And I mean, right? Like, there are not any women. Like, and that's one thing where movies, but superhero movies in particular, have come a long ways in that sense. Because even if it's about yeah. a male character, there's still plenty of gender diversity, amongst other things in the movies. I mean. And I mean, it's it's a guy movie. It's a it's a superhero movie. It's the first one of these kinds. But still, it's like when you really look at it and think about it, it's kind of shocking to think they didn't work in at least a few other characters in some way. Mm-hmm. Like she's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is pretty. I mean, much there's like a couple a of other. There's one or two co-workers at the at the newspaper. I think there there was a couple of other co-workers there. But Did they have lines. I don't even. I don't. I don't think so. There. Yeah, not, I think not much. Uh, the Joker's girlfriend is about the only one. Oh yeah, else who had lines. I, yeah, I the one that throws herself off the cl- uh, right. out, out a window. Yeah, no, but even like action movies, I guess Die Hard came out a year before. I mean, it, it's a lot of guys, but you have, I mean, you have some women, and I mean, John McClane's wife has a lot of parts. Yep, and then there are women, at least, that work at that place that have smaller roles. It's so, I mean, I, action movies, especially back then, are very male-dominated. But this one just seemed like, wow, that's really male-dominated. I think the only one who had lines... In the world left. The only other one who really had lines was the anchor woman. Oh, yeah. The, yes, the yes. Because I'm scrolling through the cast, and you got to go down quite a ways to find other women in the in the movie. There, and there, Yeah, there's a couple of other victims in the, in the mm-hmm. commercials. That, yep. Love that Joker. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the thing. They're just so I don't know. They're accessories. In I the think movie. it's good that they have uh, kind of taken some steps since that Batman movie. I mean, even in the second one, one of the villains is a woman, so that's a big change right, right. off the bat there. And obviously, a strong character. And the, she's the women, great, yeah. The women in this one are all kind of damsels in distress, you know, needing a man to save the day type thing. So I definitely noticed some stuff that I had issues with this time um, that I didn't really expect based on my memory of the movie. Um, but overall, I still love it. I It's fantastic. It's, it's fun to watch. It's a fun it's movie. It's nostalgic. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's got great actors. It's a great director. And, you know, I like guess it's like the first real superhero movie kind of, uh, like, really, I, of this kind at all. So it it led the way to what we have today. So right. I loved it. What are your final thoughts? Unless you have other things to add. Well, I think you may be forgetting about uh, the Superman movies. Those are pretty big. Good point. Know, around yeah, that I time. I never really watched any of those. So oh. that's why they were in my head. But yeah. you're right. I did watch those. those. Uh, yeah. But, but they're, yeah. they're, not, yeah, they're so not really I, this kind of a movie, though, either. No, right? they're not. They're much just, more like comic booky and just kind of carefree. Yeah. yeah, but without the dark, Superman is also a loner. And know what, know what I thought about all of these movies, all all uh, center around a newspaper outfit or a newspaper um, place. Because mm-hmm. Spider Man, Superman, what whatever, what uh, what do you call it? Paper plant, <laughs> paper um, plant. <laughs> fish wrap factory. There you go. Um, there, but uh, but yeah, Superman, Spider Man, and Batman, all of those movies center around. Oh yeah, Spider Man too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Because yeah, other than Batman, really, the next ones weren't really until Spider Man came out in the early two thousands, right? Was like there anything? Yeah, like the, the nineties were pretty much all Batman movies, and then I think the first Super Spider Man was like oh two. I think the first. Oh two. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yep. Oh two. So it took a while. Hmm. All these superheroes also have parents that died at a young when they were young. Um, yeah. tough, similarities man. must it's be. It's like Disney movies too, though, where the parents are always out of the picture. Yes, got to um, get rid of them somehow. We also decided to get into a little bit of the soundtrack. Do you guys have anything else you want to say about the movie? No, I think we covered it really well. <laughs> Probably perfect, right? We I nailed it. Uh, yeah. Kudos Too to well. us. Okay, so we have discussed Prince before on this podcast, and we are a podcast based in Minnesota, and so, of course, we love Prince. And so um, in 1989, 
this was a brilliant, another brilliant choice, along with the casting, to have Prince, who's at like the peak of his artistic. I mean, obviously, Purple Rain's a few years earlier, but he has put out some great stuff ever since and just owned the 80s. So to get him to do this soundtrack is a really big coup. And um, it's a great idea, and it sounds wonderful. And I remember owning this CD and listening to it a lot. So I thought, hey, and but it's, but I also have completely forgotten about it. Like, I don't remember yeah. hardly anything on So I'm like, well, why don't we listen to the CD, too, and see what we think? So... Mm-hmm. Um, do either of you want to go first on that, Pete? Do you want to say what you thought of the of your listen to the soundtrack? You know, by the way, um, they had they had come to Prince. They just wanted one song from Prince, and he like almost immediately turned out oh. turned out the entire album. Well, that like, sounds a, like Prince right there. Ridiculous right. Classic, uh, amount Prince. of time, and so then he, <laughs> they were all like, "Okay, well, we'll just go with this." And this uh, is Prince, it. we, we don't really like this. We just want that one song. <laughs> right. Not say that. Right. right. Exactly. So um, actually, my favorite song, I love the song Party Man. That's why I yeah. kept, I, I referenced it a couple of times earlier this episode. Um, the video is sweet. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where he's kind of in a Joker outfit. But I don't know if they're going for the Two-Face character as well, which is in future movies. But, uh, but that's how he is. He's like got the split face where it's half his normal face and half his Joker face. But uh, and then he's just dancing around, a lot of fun, and and it comes at a great time in the movie too, well, yeah, where he's yes. where See, the Joker is going and destroying that museum. I basically like three songs, and they're the ones that are used in the movie, and they're used wonderfully in the movie. Yeah, and that's one yeah. of them. Uh, Electric Chair is my other favorite song on the, on this album. Um, I don't know, is that one actually used in a movie? Electric Chair. Well, I'm sure they are like in the background. Yeah, like, there's right. not background songs. It's yeah. noticeably in the movie, and Scandalous is good. Uh, Bat Dance is fun too, um, and oh, I yeah. like that they. Um, I didn't remember that it was the last song on the album. I thought it was earlier in the album. I would have uh, thought but, it would have been the first. But song, when actually. you listen to it, it makes perfect sense because it's mostly an instrumental, um, and and usually on an album like that, it just I, to me it makes sense to close with the. You know, with like an instrumental so uh, but yeah it is a fun album to listen to um, I guess I didn't have too much else to add about it but but uh, I enjoy it all right Gifford so what are your like thoughts you enjoyed it more than me oh Gifford you wanted to go last on this I think right oh sorry oh that's fine yeah go ahead Brad um so like I said I owned it but I feel like I've forgotten it even existed and I wasn't really sure why but then upon listening to it I'm I'm not as surprised I uh not a huge fan. I thought it had a really slow start. I would skip those first two songs. Then this the Arms of Orion kind of weird love song that is really slow. Oh I'm yeah, like, I mean that was just like part of the whatever. Scandalous you part of that stupid love I wrote story. Down, you that's mentioned. another one of those long print songs. I just said I'll pass. So I'm four songs in now. I'm not enjoying this. Um, I like I said, I could have been three songs to me: "Bat Dance," which I love, "Party Man," and "Trust." And "Trust" is played at the end. Oh, of the "Trust," movie, so yes, is a good parade one. is going on, and he's throwing the money yep. around. That's great. "Lemon Crush" is the other one I wrote down that I thought was like okay, but those three songs: "Batman," "Party Man," and "Trust" are the only ones I really liked. I do remember a lot of the quotes in "Bat Dance." But I had forgotten that basically the whole song is just quotes. Like, there's not even really any lyrics beat, to it. With the beat behind it, yeah. yeah there it's, are it's some fun lyrics. the way it's done, though. Yeah. There are some lyrics at the very end. But, I mean, it was brilliant. It was They just totally sold the movie. You got Prince. You got these quotes. Who, want, who doesn't want to go see this? So, overall, right. I, I just thought this is a fantastic idea to have Prince do this. And some of the songs are great, especially the ones that like were featured in big scenes in the movie. But as an album, I just no, I, I'm not going to listen to this again. You so. know, I could have swore that he had that they had put 1999 on the original on the on the soundtrack. I don't remember but, that at all. But so. um, maybe I'm misremembering. But I I thought why, that, like why why would they do that? Well, I thought that he had they put it on because it kind of fits actually with the movie, and I thought yeah. I remember it being on the album. You know, just as an extra, re, uh, you know, another release. Um, and, and I thought it was on the album. I and mean, when you listen to the lyrics, it kind of fits with that final yeah, scene in it. a way. But, I don't um, it, you know. 
but uh, but I I thought that that was where the first time that I had ever heard that song was 1999. I thought it was from the Batman album. Um, obviously, it was on you know the other album, the 1999 album. But I thought it was on this album too. You know, they also but, put Bat Dance on the 1999 album. It was a hidden track back in 1982. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! And it yeah, was, I'm gonna it, add, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna add a laugh track to the sound for this podcast <laughs> and, and use it on that one. Go on the GIF mentioned. There yeah. you go. Uh, do you uh, have any new to add then, GIF? Um, no, I kind of uh, agree with Pete uh, that Party Man is definitely. Uh, my favorite off of that the video is so much fun it's classic prince uh the bat dance to me like brad mentioned it's pretty much just lines from the movie it's an advertisement so so really yeah it's a trailer for radio yeah instead of having a movie trailer that you watch really it was brilliant it is Mm -hmm. and And nobody else does it the other thing I like about that song is that Prince tried to, he recreates like the original theme too, like the bad dance, like the... Yes, like, yes. That's that's nice. That's a nice touch. Right. So I really like that song. And like I said, it's like an advertisement. It's a radio trailer. What a wonderful uh, description. Yeah. And then uh, Trust, of course, because it's in the movie and, and the Joker's dancing to it was just yeah. wonderful. Put his hands up on the beat and uh, just <laughs> absolutely... Absolutely love that. So yeah, that was those are the the three big ones that I really enjoyed listening back to. All right, and now so since we talked soundtracks, we're gonna do movies in our next episode and TV in our fourth episode of this month. So we decided to make a list of some soundtracks that we like, whether it's a top five or as me and Gif like to do, a few extras. Well, there's a few um, extras. So. Um, any, who wants to go first? What are what are your soundtrack lists that you've owned or liked? I can go first. Do it. Um, well, another another Prince one, uh, "Purple Rain." I think tops oh, the list Jesus. for me. I didn't even think of what? that as a soundtrack. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> well, just because it, it is. It's, it's like uh, yeah. you know, an album of its own. But yeah, okay, I'll add that to my list. <laughs> okay, I just thought that was like automatic. Uh, well, it should be. Yes, everybody's top five. Uh, singles. I actually had that one. Uh, listened to that one a lot when I was in college. That's one I forgot. Uh, Great choice. Um, Footloose is a classic one for me. Um, you know, you know, back in back in the eighties, it had a lot of a lot of really good songs. And then you had uh, Top Gun. I had that one on there too. That's Kenny, you got to go with Kenny Loggins, right, for Kenny sound Loggins. soundtracks. Kenny Loggins nailed the eighties. Oh, yes, so good. Um, <laughs> Pulp Fiction. I had uh, that was another one that I listened to all the time, and and my college roommates all loved it when we played it. Um, another one I, that I had on the list that I remember listening to a lot was the soundtrack for Stand by Me. Do you remember that one? It was yep. like all the fifty yeah. songs. It was, it was like really songs. my f- yep. my first exposure to, or my you know not maybe not necessarily first, but best exposure to like the fifties and and those, that kind of old that. music. And then we also had those Time Life 50s tapes. And so I, as a kid, right. I was way into that stuff. And that's a great choice. It had, like, Buddy Holly was on it. And um, I think, was on there. yes, yes. So um, that's that pretty much rounds out my list. All right. Hey, Giff, how about you go? All right. Well, <clears throat> I've got quite a few on here that are... Movies about musicians. So obviously you're going to have a lot of great, great um, music in those. So like I had Rocket Man, the Elton John movie that came out a couple years mm-hmm. ago. Um, Do you Art like Art. that? Because it's not Elton John singing. No, and we're going to get into that here in a minute in my top five. Because you may Uh-oh. have an issue with, with uh, some of my top fives. Well, um, so, but you like those versions? Yeah, I do. Okay. Because they're, they're then, fun when that song when that tapes. came out, my son had added that album to his playlist, and like whenever it would come on, I'm like, I, I don't want to hear this version. I wish he would have had the actual Elton John versions. Sure. So. But again, like like I'll, I was a fan of uh, the show Glee, and no. if you ever got the I was the too season the season um, I only watched one year soundtracks of those their versions of those songs I really enjoyed as well. Um, yeah. So I also had Forrest Gump, a lot of great 
Son oh, yeah. Forrest Gump throughout the years. Oh, yeah, great choice. Um, I took uh, Reservoir Dogs instead of uh, Pulp Fiction. That's that's a wonderful... What's Quentin on Tarantino... Reservoir Dogs? Um, stuck well, in the remember... Middle, I suppose, is on there. Stuck, stuck in the Middle, in the middle but the soundtrack has um it's it's like where um Stephen Wright is the DJ at the radio station and he's playing all these songs. Um so it's almost like you're listening to a radio station. Huh. Um but uh one of my one of my roommates had uh the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack and we listened to that one quite a bit in college. Uh but Quentin Terry you know who had Reservoir Dogs t shirts? Dave. No, oh, me and Pete and and uh Hummel oh, and Hummel Haken. <laughs> And Randy Hummel. We had numbers on them when we warm and played softball. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> and I found so mine just like two years ago. Two G's. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I also had, of course, uh, Purple Rain. <laughs> Purple Rain, obviously a great one. But my top five, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. So many great Queen songs. Oh, yeah. Well. Um. Now we get into again where you know the artists are singing. Uh, yesterday with uh, that movie that came out a few years ago, yeah. where the guy, you know, I love that movie. Nobody. Oh, I love that movie too. And the so music. Is it, in it, is it is it the Beatles or other singer? Well, he's doing the singing. The the characters. Right. Okay. That's what's yeah. on the soundtrack. Um. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. If you look it well, up, I, I actually have before. one. So you think you think I'm going to object to that one or something? Well, because I've got my number three in here uh, is Rock of Ages. Oh, yeah. Oh, where, where they're mixing, they're actually mixing songs. The artists are singing different songs at the same time. But there's so many bangers in there. The 80s hair bands. Any soundtrack that has Pour Some Sugar on Me is always going to be high on my list. That- a soundtrack is a soundtrack. You're not yeah. breaking any rules. It's, and I, I, know, actually, but... I actually enjoyed that movie. I thought it was very entertaining. Oh, it's very, yeah, very, very good. Uh, I my love num- Tom Cruise. He's, he's really good in that. Uh, my number two is the Dukes of Hazard soundtrack. Oh, oh, my God. The new movie? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not kidding. What you, was... got Mits- you got Mississippi Queen, Shoot to Kill, Black Betty, uh, Flirting with Disaster, Call Me the Breeze. There's so many great, great songs, southern rock songs on that album. It's Isn't just, it Willie Nelson singing the uh, the just a good old, good old boy song? At the, at the, the end, the, at the beginning they come in with Waylon Jennings, and at the end it's it's Willie Nelson. But oh, okay. uh, that that soundtrack, I absolutely love that soundtrack. Is there a Jessica Simpson song on it? Uh, she does. Boots are made for walking. Oh well, that's a good song. Yeah, but uh, Lagrange is in it. Uh, it ZZ Top. It's just it's so good. Uh, and my number wow. one, interesting. My, my number one is uh, Dazed and Confused. Yeah, the yeah. soundtrack, a movie, uh, yes. a movie that starts with sweet emotion, with that that you know the beginning of that song, oh, and it's still in the black on the screen, and then boom, you got the sweet GTO judge in slow motion running through the parking lot as that song comes on. Oh, it's just that great way to kick off a movie. All right. Uh, so mine are going to be somewhat more unique. I'm not going to have any that you guys said, except, of course, Purple Rain, which I had at number one. Which you didn't have. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> um, well, you brought up the um, Rocket Man and that and that Beatles one. So this is down at the bottom of my list, but I'll start with that. So the, the movie I Am Sam with Sean Penn. Mm-hmm. Remember that movie? That yeah. soundtrack is all Beatles songs, but they're all sung like Ben Fold sings one and Eddie Vedder sings one. It's all like or covers, covers by, and they're fantastic covers, in my opinion. And yeah. so that's actually one I didn't love the movie. I don't even know if I ever watched the whole movie. Um, and some of those Beatles songs I didn't really know much until that came out. Uh, there's a, the 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 version of Across the Universe is like my I just love it. So that one. It's all Beatles songs, and they're all by like uh, contemporary artists, and I, I love it. So that's a good one. Um, I had the Austin Powers soundtrack. There's a lot of really cool songs on that. Some some of the '60s songs, but there's also some like newer ones as well. It's a nice mix. But like the Soul Bossa Nova by Quincy Jones, like the songs that he dances to and stuff. There, I mean, they're really fun. Uh, Tin Cup. 
Tin Cup is a great soundtrack. Yeah. Really? It's a country song. Yeah. It's got George Jones on it. Uh, one la- one, just one more. Think of that one. Um, and there's a Chris Isaac song on it, which that's what sold me on it. Um, but there's a lot of good songs on that one. Yeah. Two of my favorite movies of the 90s have soundtracks that I love. One is Beautiful Girls. Um, that's got Beth by Kiss, and it's got... That also has a Chris Isaac song on it. And oh, there's like... Yeah. A bunch of never shuts up about Chris Isaac. I know. Good lord. (laughs) Two episodes in a row with Chris Isaac. That's that one and this next (laughs) one are two of those. Don't even get him started on Paul Rudd either. Hope Floats is gonna be his top (laughs) his top soundtrack. Uh, anyway. Beautiful girls and my next one are two soundtracks that I would have in that rotation that I would listen to in the car. I know what you're gonna say. I know where you're going. And the next one is swingers. Yep. Okay. That's exactly what I was going to say. Which, you know, that was the height of the whole swing revival. And I love that. And some people look back and don't, but I thought it was great. And Big Bad Voodoo Daddy did most of that soundtrack. And yep. we saw them in concert. And, and I had their album besides this one, too. Um, Swingers was awesome. And I was obsessed with both movies, especially Swingers. So those soundtracks just very special to me. Um, Reality Bites. I'm surprised Reality you're Bites one of you was the that one. I was I waiting for you to go with Reality Bites. That's a great one. Yes, yes. Um, and then I have two more. The Commitments, which I don't know that either of you would have seen. It's a it's a movie from 1991. It's kind of an independent movie. It's set in Ireland. It's about these Irish guys that try to form a band and like kind of become the next U2. Or no, they're not trying to be the next U2, but somebody makes fun of them that way. But they do Motown songs. So it's a bunch of Irish guys, and they're singing like these old Motown classics. Mm-hmm. And the, the movie is, is hilarious and great. Gifford, you'd love it. If you've never heard of it, I'm going to recommend you to the watch commitments? it. The Commitments? The Commitments. And the soundtrack down. is just fantastic. And that's where I learned about the song Mustang Sally, which is one of my go-to karaoke songs. Oh, uh, so. right. And then my last one is um, from 1989. Also, when Harry met Sally, Harry Connick Jr. did the whole soundtrack, and it's mostly piano, and it's it's wonderful. And uh, standards. Um, what's what's his what's the big song? Uh, it had to be you is on there. Oh right, and then he does this instrumental piano version of Winter Wonderland that's on there. That's another one I've listened to a million times. So that is my list of soundtracks. Awesome. That's Those a good one. Very, very good. Well, that's, we all had had a little different list there. That's good. Absolutely. That's what that's what the show is all about: sharing opinions. Say, Pete, um, you know how when we end the show and we've got preacher roll um, as our yeah. outro music, could yeah. we get uh, uh, Brad's version of what was your karaoke song? Mustang, Mustang Sally. Sally. Can we Mustang get a recording Sally? of Mustang Sally, Brad's karaoke to uh, for the outro music? I think that would we have to yeah. wait for the uh, the pandemic to be over and then go do karaoke again. <laughs> I and, will say uh, we'll get a recording on my fortieth on my fortieth birthday. We went out um, with all of the guys, but then Kim was with and driving and everything, and. <laughs> We did karaoke at the end of the night, and she did have video of me doing it then. Um, so I don't know if she can find it anymore, but I it did exist. Yeah. I didn't so, sing that song, though. Gifford, you'll love this. I sang Sold by John Michael Montgomery. Oh, I love song. that song. And then me and Hummel sang Take It Easy by the Eagles because Glenn Fry had just died right before that. So um, so, so what you're saying is last I, I remember that night. Yeah, I remember that night. Went to the room where they where We saw the room. The mystery science theater type room thing. It was hilarious. So your fortieth yes. birthday was like the cast of Batman. Only one woman there. Is what yep. you're saying? Yep. <laughs> That's pretty much right. Yeah. And we were missing you and Mark Hamilton. And yes. There. Sorry about that. So. All right. Well, I th- I think that wraps up this episode. Um, ne- the the next episode is where we are going to really take off worldwide because we're going to be talking about the greatest cinematic masterpiece of all time, yes. Roadhouse. Which I had never seen until oh, the other day. You are welcome, Brad. You're welcome yeah. for introducing <laughs> you to the movie Roadhouse. I, I did know it was one movie I should watch at some point, but I figured I never would at this point, and now you gave me the excuse. This podcast <laughs> is changing our lives. <laughs> Maybe even for the better. Yes, um, 
All right, we'll wrap it up with Preacher Row, and uh, be sure to uh, give us a listen, give us a like, uh, give us a follow on Facebook. Give us a review Twitter. on iTunes, please. Yes, we would love that as long as it's a positive one. Yeah, if you like us, otherwise don't bother. <laughs> All right, thank you everybody for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye. 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 Yeah.